Hi, everybody. Welcome to Not Your Mama's Drama. I am Tanika. Hi, Marianne. Hi, everyone. Hi, Tanika. Thank you so much for supporting us and liking and coming back every week. So, Tanika, what's your drama today? So, I have lots of drama today, Marianne. I want to make sure that we're on the right track for saving, investing, and building wealth. I have lots of questions and need some help with the answers. And today, we are in luck. We have Deborah Owens. Hi, Deborah. Hi, it's exciting to be here. I love that mama drama. (laughs) So let me tell you everyone a little bit about Deborah. She is the founder and CEO of Wealthy You, which helps high achieving women build wealth. I'm sorry, build their first investment portfolios to seven figures and beyond. You hear that, ladies? We are high achieving women. Uh, And Deborah is here to help. She's the host of Get Wealthy, a one-hour program that airs weekly on Black Star Network and is a how-to guide on how to create generational wealth. Ms. Owens is the author of four critically acclaimed books, Confident Investing, Every Woman's Money, Nickel and Dime Your Way to Wealth, and A Purse of Your Own. Ms. Owens is a 20-year financial services industry veteran and former vice president with Fidelity Investments. She is a sought-after speaker and has been featured on CNN, NPR, TV One, ABC, and Sirius XM. Her company, Wealthy You, provides coaching and training for organizations and individuals utilizing its proprietary coaching and training framework, The Seven Wealthy Habits. Ms. Owens is the recipient of the AAUW Women of Distinction Award, All States From Whence Became Award, Heart and Soul Magazine Women of Distinction and Finance Award. She holds a Master of Business Administration from Loyola University of Maryland. And you can find her and all about her at wealthyu.com. Woo, it is exhausting just talking about you, Deborah. Thank you so much for coming. I'm going to carry you with me. Although I tell people, I should have told her to give you the short version of the bio, but it's all good. You know, like you do, I mean, it is wonderful when you just reflect on, you know, what you've accomplished. And so thank you for that. Thank you for that. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll all strive to have a long bio like you. Thank you That's so right. much for being here. We're so appreciative and we're just going to jump right in. So our first question is about retirement. So what is the goal for retirement? How much should we strive to save? And what if I want to retire with 100K a year? What should we do? Love, love, love this question. Because I love to give people rules of thumbs. And, and the reason that I like to give like some a framework, a rule of thumb, some kind of target to hit is because then it becomes real to you. So uh, Fidelity, my old employer, did a uh, study of its, and Fidelity is the world's largest uh, retirement plan administrator, right? So they have lots and lots of assets and they manage those assets for all types of organizations, whether it be nonprofit like a hospital or your Fortune 25 company. And so they uh, really looked at their participants and to assess who were the most uh, prepared at retirement and then came up with some targets. 
And what I love about the savings factor that they came up with is it's based on your income because everyone's income is different. Everyone's expenses are different. And, you know, if we think about our lifestyle, we base it on our income, right? And so the goal should be at retirement to have saved 10 times your annual income. So if you're making $100,000, that means your target should be a million in a retirement account. And they gave you some benchmarks at certain ages. So by the time you're 30, you should have one times your annual income. By the time you're 35, you should have two times your annual income. By the time you're 40, you should have three times your annual income saved in a retirement plan. And by the time you're, uh, you know, you get to five, you're at that like halfway mark, five times your annual income. Now, the truth is, since we're talking mama drama, what I find uh, for far too many women is we put everybody's goals in front of our own. Now, if I were to look at my, I have a daughter and a son, and they were in every activity imaginable, and those were thousands of dollars a month, and you know, from tutoring to dance to uh, soccer, and they laugh about it now. They're adults now, but they laugh about all the things that they had to do. Because it, in my mind, uh, I didn't, you know, that idle time is the devil's workshop. You know, I, my, my, my uh, mom is from the South. And so, you know, I have all these uh, tapes going on in my head. But at any rate, what it can cause you to do sometimes because you wanted to afford the things that you can with your child is not necessarily put your money, uh, put contribute to the amount that you you know, the maximum amount. And so I know a lot of women are playing catch up and that's really what Wealthy You is about is, you know, even if you're not on track to that 10, within a few years, it given the right information, because it's a function of not only how much you're putting in, but what you already have in and the return that you're earning on it is the biggest aspect of it. Uh, so in terms of retirement, that's the goal. And even if these numbers that I just quoted seem like far-fetched, just know that it's never too late if you focus. Oh, what, awesome. that's great information. And if we don't get started, yeah. we'll just continue to be behind, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So you, you, you must, uh, you know, here's all I'm going to say is that as women, we have to learn to give from a cup that is overflowing as opposed to a half-empty one. Right. Because a half empty one, if you're giving from it, it'll never fill up. That's great. Okay. That is great information. So along those lines, you know, whether or not we're playing catch up, should we invest in 401k plans alone? Should we invest on the side with like one of those personal investment accounts, like an Ameritrade or that type of thing? You know, give us some. Both and. Both right. And. But let's really talk about uh, a, you know, uh, uh, priorities, right? Like, like what should you do first? I think that's always the, the, the question. And, and what I would say is the first part of it is you actually, uh, taking full advantage of your employer sponsor plan, or if you don't have a, if you're like me and an entrepreneur creating that for yourself, right? So, First of all, uh, you know, some people say invest it up to the amount your employer matches. 
But I say in this day and age, a lot of employers aren't matching. How about your employers? Do they match what you contribute? Mm-hmm. They do. We'll be grateful for that because far too many yeah. don't. But so that's a start. But what you really want to try to do is get to the maximum contribution that you can in that employer-sponsored plan. And there are two reasons for that. First, you're going to be paying Uncle Sam anyway. And so in many cases, what I find is, uh, you know, you're stepping over dollars to get to pennies. Think about that, right? And so what you want to do is fully take advantage of the tax advantages and pay. And by contributing to that plan, you're going to reduce your income, thereby you're going to pay less taxes. So let's say, and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, so the maximum just went up from 19.5 to 23,000 if you're under 50 years, 50 years of age. And if you're over 50, you can put another $7,000. So almost $30,000 in, right? And so, you know, what we find in wealthy you is women are like, oh my gosh, I can never get there. But the key is gradually, right? So like, you know, if you will just commit to increasing the amount you're contributing, let's say every six months by an additional 5%, you will get to that percentage. And the percentage that I really, the target should be for you to at some point get up to 20% of your annual income going into not only that, uh, so a portion of that, depending upon how much you can contribute, will go in that 401k or that 403b or employer-sponsored plan. And then you want to start investing outside of it. And so, yes, that's my long way of saying, yes, you absolutely should be looking at investing outside of just your employer-sponsored plan. Yeah. And I think of um, just as a follow-up to that, I'm always thinking like our money is so tight, right? And we're spending it in, in all of the little things. And so sometimes it's almost like you have to aim for that promotion, but not necessarily to take, to, to spend more, but to save more and to prepare for retirement, right? Every time you get a promotion, you just have to think like, I didn't get it. I just need to continue to save for. Oh, that's so interesting. That reminds me of a conversation I was just having with someone around that and who had just gotten a significant increase and felt, you know, such a sense of relief around it. And then we're talking, I'm like, well, yeah, now we're going to max out that 401k. Then we're going to put it in this. We're going to open up a regular IRA. Then we're going to do a backdoor. And she was like, oh my gosh, that's my raise. I was like, you're absolutely (laughs) right. You're absolutely right. It is your race. And guess what? You're paying it into your future because the goal is to turn your income into assets so that it can then generate an income when you no longer have to. Well, so so that's what securing the bag is, right? I mean, if we want to really talk about, you know, people throw wealth around, but wealth is not cars or, you know, or jewelry or any of that. In fact, Real wealth is quiet. You will never see it when it comes in the door because it's you're not they're not wearing their wealth. Real wealth is the ability to not have to worry about the future and what will be the challenges of the future because you've already paid into it so you can 
you can uh, uh, weather it. You know, in fact, I, I, just a brief story. Uh, one of our members uh, who's been a member of Wealthy you, you for some time, and I mean, literally everything she's been told to do, she's done and she's increased her uh, retirement. In fact, you can look at my one an episode. I do a show on Black Star Network called Get Wealthy. And it's Belinda's story. And Belinda, uh, you know, is now in the top 10% of African-American wealth. And she got really ill and so did her parents with dementia. And so because she had been diligent and disciplined and they, and then they got COVID at the same time. So talk about a triple whammy, right? But because she had the assets available, she could weather that storm and come out of it on the other side without being financially uh, devastated by it, which, I mean, imagine your parents need care. They need support. You're supporting them. Now you got to take care of yourself. And I mean, she was really, really ill. And so that's what I want people to understand is it's not about the money. Money is simply a tool, Right through which if we learn to wield it and operate it in the right manner, that those trials that we know are sure to come can be then addressed in a manner that doesn't put us in financial jeopardy. Right. Yeah, right. absolutely. And I'm interested, so do you think that we need to have savings account or what are your views on, you know, putting money in savings accounts. All of the above, right? And so another rule of thumb too would be, and you know, I'm looking at these massive layoffs that are going on in the tech industry. And we know that those are some of the most lucrative and pay the highest incomes, right? In terms of not only salary, but uh, employee stock options. And, you know, in many cases, I know because we have members in Wealthy U who they're, their bonuses were more than their salaries, right? And so to that end, what you always have to have is a job mobility fund. And so that's what that emergency savings is. And that money is not going to be invested in the market. So rule of thumb, another rule of thumb, for every $10,000 in earnings, you should have that many months expenses put away because typically that is going to be the length of time it will take you to replace that job and that income. So, for example, if you are earning $100,000, then that means $10,000 goes into 100, 10 times. So that's 10 months of expenses that you should have saved in the event you were to be laid off then you have that those assets somewhere and those would be liquid because you could use need that at any time that should not have any kind of market exposure um that's really good to know <clears throat> i'm not sure i'm i'm there yet but i'm going to get there <laughs> well yeah and, and and here's the other thing you know like that's a goal yeah. right i mean we're all managing multiple uh objectives goals, right? And, and needs. And so one of the things that, uh, one of the first things that women do in Wealthy You is they create their wealthy vision. 
And that's where do they see themselves 10 years from now in the future and then walk it back in terms of what's an important what's important and those goals then set up accounts and so you have amounts going into that that's called our wealthy system for each of your goals so if you were going to buy a second home which is some of the goals that some some of the women and wealthy you have if you are, are paying off debt right then you're going to be have money uh, accruing toward i mean uh, allocated towards that debt uh, if you have retirement, if you have some short term, shorter or intermediate term goals in there, then you're going to set up accounts for each of those accounts uh, for each of those goals. And then you're going to allocate a portion of your resources each month. So it's not that you have the money in there today. It's that in the future, you know, based on your you're allocating those resources today that eventually you get here. And so the key is just to set up the structure. Uh, so that you eventually will be able to meet those goals. Okay. I, I had a quick question to piggyback off of uh, the 401k thing you said earlier. Should For the IRA, should we be doing a Roth or a traditional? What's the difference? What's more beneficial? Is it different as you're older? Great question. So, you know, Everyone can in, in, can invest in a an IRA, a regular IRA. Whether or not that IRA de is deductible depends on if you have an employer sponsored plan. If you already have a retirement plan, typically that IRA is not going to be deductible, or you make a, uh, above a certain amount. And for couples, I think it if uh, for couples it phases out right? And for individuals, it phases out. Now, for a Roth IRA, there are income limits on that. And I think if you, for couples, if you're, if you make over $110,000, if you're an individual, or if you're a couple, it may, your adjusted gross income, it may go up to about 150000 But even then, and the difference between a regular IRA is that typically, um, uh, a regular IRA, you can deduct just like you would a 401k, right? But of course, if you're above a certain limit, there aren't any deductions, but the money you put in, it does get to grow tax deferred. And when you take it out, it's a taxable event. Okay. Just like your regular 401k. So you're not going to be able to get the benefit of deducting it, but it grows without being taxed every year, right? Now, the other side of that, the Roth IRA, the benefit to it is you don't get to deduct it in the front end, but when you take it out, there are no taxes due on it, right? So the, the optimal strategy, as I see it, would be to max out your 401k and establish a regular IRA. And then what you can, even if you're over the income limits, then what you can do as a back Door IRA. The backdoor IRA was, is back, backdoor Roth, excuse me, is where you've put the money into a regular IRA. And then a few months later, you're able to convert it into a Roth, meaning that now once you take the money out, it's not going to be uh, taxed. However, if there's any gain with, at the time that you can convert it, you're going to pay taxes on it on the front end. So for example, I put $7,000, I make a $7,000 contribution to a Roth IRA. I put it in a mutual fund. It grows to $7,500. I convert it to a Roth. That $500 gain, I'm going to pay taxes on it now. 
as ordinary income. So that's the only difference. So those are kind of high net worth strategies that I'm, you know, conveying a lot of things that we're never privy to. And, you know, that's the whole point. I spent my career in the investment industries, you know, uh, I, I had a pretty fast trajectory and then managed the West Coast for an organization. And it was there that I really got exposed to high net worth, uh, tax advantaged investing and exposed to portfolio managers and their strategies, right? And how they actually analyze and research investments. And so I simply took that same approach and that's what's in our curriculum in Wealthy Youth that now every day women are able to now apply this to their situation so that we call it analyze, optimize, maximize. Analyze what you have, optimize it so that it's earning uh, higher returns, right? And then maximize, and that means contributing more, right? And so if you do those three things, that's what we've seen women making their first six figures, multiple six figures, seven figures, and some people are running for eight figures now. And so, yeah, it's really rewarding to see, you know, that was conceptually in my mind, the idea, but the really the idea from Wealthy Youth was, uh, came from my son who would help me do strategy. He's in advertising and he would help me do strategy every year. And, you know, uh, before I started Wealthy You, a lot of it was me going inside of organizations, which we still do financial wellness training. We go and into side of organizations and really talk to employees about leveraging their retirement assets and companies, very large companies hire us to do that. Uh, but, you know, what if you don't have that benefit? And so that's what my son said, Ma, you know, you could uh, write all the books and do all the workshops you can, but people need accountability and support. And the most powerful thing that I've learned since launch, launching Wealthy You is the community itself, right? It's like the the women in the community become ambassadors, they become facilitators, and they become uh, uh, accountability partners. So we have member success meetings and you know, talking about goals. And so it's just really fascinating uh, to see the power of, uh, of group dynamics when I was really fearful of it because I didn't think, one, we would talk about money. I had to figure out the whole privacy thing. And so we figured out a way to really talk about and analyze without having to get into the nitty gritty financials, people's personal financials. And so you know, as in anything, you learn as you go, you iterate. And so it's wonderful to see uh, what 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 they're able to accomplish. Deborah, this is fascinating, especially because of what you're saying. We usually don't talk to each other about some of the strategies or what we're doing in order to to save money and just to make sure that we're, we have we're more secure, right, financially. So I'm curious what age are the women that are coming to your organization to seek this advice? Like, for example, we're in our 40s and we're, we welcome this advice. This is amazing for us. But I also want to transfer this to my children as they're teenagers, soon going to college, right? Yeah. How is this, my knowledge going to impact them? Yeah, and that's the whole point, right? So the other thing that I had to learn really was that I, that I had this aha moment, you know, being in the industry. I was like, oh, that's why I don't know this, you know, because 
when I first started at Merle Lynch, you know, I was like, how come I don't know about this, right? You know, I've been through high school and college and I've never been exposed to this. Well, the truth is, it's not something that's taught through your formal education. You usually gain this knowledge that I'm talking about two ways. Either you came from a family who was high net worth, meaning they have investable assets of a million dollars or more, because that's the only way you're going to get, you know, this kind of customized uh, 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 strategy for you, because everyone's opportunities are different. And in Wealthy You, we call those investment opportunity levers, right? So for you, you could be making a significant salary and have some benefits that you can leverage within your organization, right? For someone else, it might be, oh, they've got, they're not making as much, but they've got a pension, you know, that at some point is going to be like having a million dollars in the bank. So what do they need to do, right? So they need to look at other options, Roth IRAs, maybe starting up that side hustle so they can get some tax advantage benefits and start their own SEP IRA. So those are the conversations that are going on, high net worth strategies that we're not exposed to because this knowledge is inherited, right? If you don't have a family member, some or a, a concierge, you know, a trusted advisor, then you won't get access to this knowledge. And here's the other thing I learned that just blew me away. It's like every day people are going into these large organizations, investment organizations. And if you don't have uh, typically a half a million or more, or sometimes a million or more, you're not considered high net worth. That advisor is not going to be compensated. So there is no incentive for them to give you any kind of actual guidance, right? And so typically what happens is they tell you to fill out this questionnaire and then you go into these cookie cutter, what are called uh, asset allocation funds that are, you know, just based on, you know, how you answer a questionnaire. So if you say, and this is what's really deep, because I really feel like this is redlining. And it's like, you don't even know what questions, you don't know the weight of the answer to the question is going to have on your outcome. So like if you say, oh, I don't have a lot of experience. Well, that's going to, you answer that question, it's going to immediately put you into more of a conservative allocation, right? If you say you only have so much in assets, that's going to put you even more in a, in, uh, you know, in a, in a more uh, 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 conservative and I call it relegating you into low return investments just based on your experience. That's nonsensical to me. And then if you look at it even further in those investments, a lot of times they're the worst performing funds because that's it's very opaque. And so that's how they hide those worst performing funds. Because if you were able to actually analyze it yourself, you'd be like, I don't want this but you don't even know you have it because it's <laughs> packaged in something, yeah. right? And right. I'll tell you the, the only, and it wasn't until I started actually coaching that I, uh, because we don't advise in Wealthy You, we teach you how to discover it on your own uh, and give you the knowledge. So yeah, it's uh, that's a great question. And go back to your question, age, typically, our, uh, the, we skew a little older or we go from 35 
to 60 plus, right? The bulk of the uh, uh, women in our flagship program, our Wealthy Youth Society, which is our group coaching program, is uh, about 45, right? To 54 is the largest segment. And then we have some, some people who are already retired. It's almost like our brain starts working like at 45 as women. I don't know. I feel like, <laughs> like we're just no, going, going, going. No, 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 no. It's, <laughs> what happens is we've done everything for our kids and yeah. now it's like looming. It's like, we better get serious. And so that's what happens is there's a sense of urgency and the competing uh, demands on our discretionary dollars once we get those kids in college, then we're able to focus some attention on our own financial well-being. That yeah. is the perfect segue, Deborah. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. When should we start saving for college? And should we even do that anymore? Um, should we let the kids pay absolutely. for it on their own? Oh, no. Go ahead. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So I did a prepaid tuition program for my uh, son. And then I did investments for my daughter. But if I had it in 529 mutual funds and some other investments, and if I had it to do over again, I would have done that prepaid tuition program bar none. So basically at that time we paid us about $6,000 when he went to University of Maryland, his, uh, his tuition was paid, his room and board wasn't. And in fact, the room and board cost more than the tuition. That's what you'll find. And so here's all I'm gonna say is do what you can't afford. Right. Like, I think you got to have conversations with your children and that, you know, that that conversation needs to be around the value, the investment of an education. You've got to align there. Here's another tip I'll give you is, you know, both of my children, because I, I, I felt like I was miseducated and I attended a Catholic high school and the nuns had us in administrative stuff. We had no high level math. So I got to college and it kicked my butt. And I said, I am never going to let this happen to my kids. Right. So funny, I went into finance, you know, it, you know, so I, I got it eventually, but had I had that foundational knowledge, it would not have been so difficult for me. So, you know, imagine with my own kids, you're going to know math. You're going to know all this. So I'm tutoring, 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 tutoring. The funny thing is that wasn't their strength, right? My husband is a journalist and a formal, former television anchor. Uh, I certainly went into some media myself and public speaking and go figure, both of their strengths are communications and they're very good at it. They're very analytical though and strategy. Uh, both of them have those roles. So I, what I'm saying to moms is that focus on what your kid gets in a gifts are and focus on their strengths and not their weaknesses. If I had it to do over again, that's what I would do. Yeah. So I do want to um, skip to this question about the recession because I'm a little yeah. concerned about the recession and I want to make sure that we get your thoughts as a person that is, you know, very knowledgeable in this area. So how concerned are you about Let the recession? You, I'm glad you asked me that question. Listen, this is when fortunes are made. That's what I want you to understand. Do not get fearful. One of my first lessons was 
when the market went down 20% in one day and I was just a newbie little person and I'm taking orders. And what I noticed was all of the middle-class people, you know, I was in uh, Dearborn, Michigan at the time, a lot of factory workers, managers, they were investing in those uh, stocks of the uh, auto companies and they were sell, sell my stock, I'm going to lose. And then later that night, I would see the our wealthiest clients come in. And what I would see, and back then, you you know how the tubes that you have when you go through the bank drive-through, they used to be the pneumatic tubes. Well, that's where our tickets went through. And so I saw the order tickets for stocks going up when the middle class, they were all sales. What do you think the wealthy people were doing? Buying, buying And they were buying all of the quality, not just have anything though. This is what I want you to know is people say stocks are on sale. Not all stocks are on sale. So you need to do your homework, right? But they were buying defensive stocks, quality stocks, stocks that pay dividends. Those dividends reinvested. So that's the point I want to make to all of you. I think we do the exact opposite. When the market's up, we're buying everything. Now I'm seeing this crypto fallout right now. I don't know if you're watching crypto, but a number of these companies are going under and my thing, like, if I can't explain it to somebody else, I can't invest in it. You know, I mean, uh, that's like a Warren Buffett rule. Like, you know, I, I've had interview people on crypto and this stuff came, somebody just made something up. I'm like, well, heck, I could just make me a currency up and <laughs> have a wealthy you crypto coin. And, that's right. Well, buy it, you know. But the, the point I want to make is so many times the reason that we don't, uh, have an opportunity to uh, really grow wealth or build wealth or create generational wealth is we get fearful. But what I know is that fear is just ignorance, right? And what happens is as you learn the underpinnings, as you actually learn how the financial markets work, learn how to evaluate a stock in a mutual fund, you don't, you're not fearful any longer. You're looking at it from a different perspective and a different lens. Uh, and so you develop what we call the wealth mindset. And the wealth mindset views uncertainty and problems as opportunity. Yep. That's awesome. Uh, I, I want to end on this quick question here. So we're seeing a lot of like money strategy on TikTok. <laughs> on facebook don't do Instagram. it okay most people have taken a course they may have even taken mine right and now all of a sudden so here's what i'm going to tell you make every decision based on the people that they've impacted so i i don't you'll rarely see me talking about i got this i got that i got this because like i said real wealth is quiet right but what I want you to see is other women just like you and how they were able to go from a negative network to now seven figures. So as opposed to watching what someone do, don't look at the tree, look at the fruit from the tree. And that will tell you whether or not somebody can actually make an impact. I am interested in results. And the people on my team know it's the results. I want to hear what are people's wins? What, what's different? How are we impacting people's lives? Our results, we know we are doing our work. If people, if we're doing the right things, if people's net worths are increasing 
And that's a function of debt decreasing, right? And assets increasing. And so if that is happening, that will be, that. Uh, that's the result, right? So yeah, I mean, and this is what's in my account, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about that. What I care about, show me how you've helped, you've made other people's lives different. Let me see what, the, what they've accomplished. And then that tells me, because not everybody's a good teacher either. And you know that. I mean, if you've been in school, at it, you know, you had a bad teacher before, right? Or I call it the gifted and talented where they say, oh, your kids should just know how to do it. Well, what's the point of that, right? <laughs> <laughs> see, I am you, ladies, you know, talk about mama drama. But yeah, that's the point I would make is no, you know, and it's interesting. Young people, they really rely more on their friends in terms of knowledge, the whole social media thing. But I'm, uh, I, I look to the people who have uh, been able to weather many storms, right? And I think that that is when proof happens. You know, in fact, in Wealthy You, uh, what's really interesting is we had our largest, most significant growth during COVID. And, uh, and, and the performance of those portfolios and the people's uh, net worth even now are, it's amazing what has happened. So if you are, if the listeners want to hear more about those transformational stories, I want to really encourage them to watch the episodes on the Black Star Network. They can go to blackstarnetwork.com, download the app, and just hear some incredible stories. And it's not about me. It's about getting access to the information, right? That can transform your life. And back to your point, that is the reason for wealthy you is because now you have the most value, you'll have the most valuable asset of all. And that's the knowledge of how to build wealth. And then you can pass it on your, to your children. And then we break that cycle and that we open that door. Now we have, uh, members who are helping their, um, helping their children analyze and research their 401ks. Uh, young people have, in fact, I was just talking with another member. Her son uh, has a, a, a stash app account and it's the other green line or green something account where he's, he says, yeah, he sold something and I didn't even know it, but it did make sense. And so, you know, these are the conversations that are going on, you know, at seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. And if we do yeah. that, we, yeah. we got it. No, right. no. And it's also about having that financial security so that you can make better decisions, right? So that if the opportunity comes for you to take a risk because the economy took a downturn and you have that money and you can invest it, you wouldn't have that money unless you were planning, unless you saved when, for example, you, you're saving for a rainy day so that you don't have the job and, and you can you know sustain yourself. If you don't have that nest egg, you might just have to take any job, right? And that's and, exactly and right. And I call that recession proofing your life. Yeah. Right. Recession proofing your life. In fact, I want to really, we have uh, workshops going on all the time. I have a, they follow me on LinkedIn. I've got a recession proof uh, webinar coming up. I do it right at lunch hour. It's an hour long. Tell folks to just sign up for it. It's free. We just uh, we just posted it today on LinkedIn. They can follow me on LinkedIn. But that's the whole point. Like that's what freedom is about. The freedom to say no. The freedom to walk out the door. You got a crazy boss, and it not really being 
a big deal. That's what securing the bag is all about. Yeah, financial freedom. That's exactly the word I was looking for, Deborah. And you <laughs> you gave it to us. Deborah, this was amazing. This is what I took from it. And I will, I think, carry this forever. Gift from a cup that is overflowing. I have to remember that. You cannot give from an empty cup. We have to make sure that our cups are overflowing and we have to prepare ourselves and set ourselves up to have a cup that's overflowing. Will you come back another time, Deborah? This Absolutely. was amazing. I would uh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real joy and I look forward to hearing this uh, podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you Deborah, so this much. It's been absolutely amazing. We thank you and we absolutely thank our listeners. We want to ask that you continue to like and subscribe, keep following. And by the way, I took Deborah's course, that hour long lunch break. It was fantastic. Highly recommended. Uh, thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. See you next time.